Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Evie, do you know what a doula is? It's a hat. It's a hat, is it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Do you want to know more about doulas? Um, yes. You would? Um, okay, well, let's go talk to Mary. Tell us a little bit about Doula Care Ireland. I was building up my doula business down here and working as a doula and I was getting really, really busy. I couldn't take all the clients that were coming to me. So I was referring them on to other doulas who were newer doulas and they then were coming back to me looking for mentoring and support. And at the same time, Jen, who um, who's, who's based in Dublin, she was having the same issue in the same boat. And a mutual friend had suggested that we maybe meet up to, you know, maybe start about uh, developing an agency. And both of us individually had toyed with the idea of opening a doula agency. This model is really common in the States, but it was not common in Ireland. So we met in person and I and I always joke, it, it felt like an arranged marriage at the start <laughs> uh, because I hadn't met her in person. And this other woman had said, oh my God, she, you know, I think you'd be so good together. And I think you should kind of think about coming together. And we were both, I think, a little bit nervous about that, but we clicked um, and we were really excited and the energy was really exciting that we had. Um, and we decided, look, let's do this. Let's take the leap. So we started originally in, in February 2017. I yeah. think it's when we set up our kind of Facebook page, come up with the name and all of that, you know. And it was just the two of us. Um, and we now have a team of, of about 40 doulas all around the country. So they work with us as independent contractors and we we offer mentoring and support to them and we offer a continual training yeah. to them. And then we also find clients for them to work with. So it's really exciting. Yeah, it's been very busy, but it's it's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, my God. Really busy few years. So you and Jen both started off as doulas. Yes. Was there anything like the agency in existence before you guys decided to set up? Yes. As I said, it's a really common model in the States. Very common. But it hadn't come to Ireland. Um, most most doulas were working kind of um, individually, etc. Um, and as I said, then we kind of brought this into being. And and, I, and it's something we're both very proud of, actually. Um, and it's something we both really enjoy. I mean, it's a lot of work at times um it's 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 mm-hmm. it's definitely the unknown i neither myself or jen had a business background um we just both love working as doulas and the passion around you know yeah. working with parents who are pregnant or having a new baby it's mm-hmm. such an amazing time um and and this was a, a a change actually because obviously there was more of a business element to it like in that administration all of that it's all new and it wouldn't be necessarily our forte but we are learning as we go yeah. <laughs> Well, fair play to you. Uh, needless to say, your job is not like a regular nine to five. No, absolutely not. Like, I mean, sometimes it is in that I sometimes take clients myself. Now, not as much as I would have used to before. Like if we get queries now, I would pass them on to the doulas that are part of the agency instead. Okay, um, right. But if, so so if I have a client, which, as I said, it wouldn't be the norm anymore, but I do do take them on. If it's a birth client, that's a 24 hour seven job when you go on call from 37 weeks mm-hmm. um, as a postpartum doula with scheduled shifts. But we do day and night 
support. So you, you wouldn't know when. And so that wouldn't be. But when I'm working on the agency work, it, I do try to have a structure. So during the week, I tend to start working, you know, do a morning um, and work for the morning. And and so, you know, that might involve um, catching up the emails, uh, touching base with clients, uh, giving doulas a call that may need extra support or may have query yeah. or question about something that's come up with a client that they haven't come across before. Uh, we would also do some training on Zoom. We're also doing other things like developing policies and procedures for working in yeah. the agency. Um, you know, we're very much into developing industry standards because there's no regulation for doulas in Ireland. There's no regulations for doulas anywhere in the world, really. It's, okay. For example, so we um, when we set up the agency, nobody was Garda vetted. Doulas weren't Garda vetted. And we felt this was very important because we're working with babies um, and children sometimes. And so we uh, went about the process of establishing Garda vetting for the doulas in the agency. And that was such a process because the, the Garda vetting viewer hadn't a clue. They were like, oh, what? You know, they really didn't understand. So there was a huge wow. process involved in explaining the role that we that we do and we provide so part of it is that as well which we love and now of course we're um, moving into now training doulas and we'll be offering certification a path for them to certify with us which I think is really important because doulas are not regulated that there are you know baselines that clients will know okay so a doula that's certified will have this this and this um, and that, that is some way, I suppose, to developing the professional standards in this country. Well, fair play to you. That's an amazing initiative to be working on and so worthwhile. We've learned so much ourselves um, as we do this. It's, it's, it is very exciting and it's an exciting place to be, I suppose, at the cusp of, of doulas becoming more mainstream. I think that's very exciting. That's really encouraging and really reassuring for anybody to know who doesn't really know anything about doulas that, you know, that there is an association. Do you call yourself an agency or association? We're an agency. There is a doula association as well, which myself and Jen are members of, actually. Um, So that would be a that would be a body, a voluntary body where, you know, doulas can join and get support Mm -hmm. and um, just have that lovely community. Um, And they would um, they would do things like, for example, they have a petition to allow uh, parents um, have doula support into the hospital, for example, at the moment. So they would do things like that, which is really important and very much needed. Um, so that that's a really important part yeah, of, yeah, of okay. for us anyway to be a part of that association. Any other organisations in Ireland or globally that you have like a heavy connection with? Um, well, both myself and Jen would have trained with Dona International. So I suppose Dona would be one of the oldest doula bodies in the world, really. They would have developed the idea of a doula, which while it's a very old profession it's actually quite new as well as a professional doula so it would have been on an ad hoc basis it would have been really normal for um a mom to have Mm. somebody with her in labor would have been really unusual to be going into the hospital Mm. with just what you know your partner who who sometimes doesn't know a lot about birth you know it would have been very much a community Mm. setting and the same postpartum Uh, so as part of my degree I had to do a dissertation a history dissertation I picked women's studies and I picked Mm. birth actually long before I had children um because yeah I was just interested in the, the sociology and politics of it and I interviewed a, mo- a woman who had had her baby in Dublin I think in the 30s uh the 20s or the 30s and she'd used a handy woman which is an unskilled person um in labor now obviously it's great that we now have skilled professional midwives but she was talking about how so this woman would have come came to help her with the birth but she also had lots of neighbors coming in as well to help her throughout the birth so to feed her to look after the other children um you know to just to wipe her brow all of that support would have been the norm actually a handy woman so the person kind of responsible for the birth would have been a handy woman now they weren't trained and we do know that in societies around the world where there are not trained midwives supporting at a birth um there is a unfortunately the maternal uh, mortality and the infant mortality rate is a lot higher okay. so trained midwifery people are so important at a birth mm-hmm. so i think that is great that we have moved on from that 
but these women at you know having these would have also had a community around them of lay people to support them like and that's what the doula does so they're providing that emotional support and the physical comfort measures at a birth and you know the informational support just reassurance and then postpartum would have been Mm. the same like that mum talked about now back then it was there was religious connotations in Ireland around this it was called being churched all right but the positives in around it was that part of it was that the the woman had to rest for six weeks she wasn't supposed to cook or clean or touch anything there were some positives to it in that you did get to rest and be minded in your view how have things evolved or maybe there was like a sidestep for a while and now we're back with doula care being more of a a primary source of care for pregnant and and new moms well I think like you know back in the 2030s 40s there was a lot of support I think still from from for for women um and then that slowly changed as we as we changed going into hospital to have your baby coming home everybody living in the nuclear families there wasn't that community as much anymore um and I think it was a very lonely time and I think it still is um and I think that's why there is such you know a need for postpartum support like it's you know we're still really just it's still becoming normalized because you know we sometimes would have calls from women um saying look you know upset crying they're really struggling because baby isn't sleeping feeding is constant they're all over the place and they're almost apologizing for needing the help and they're thinking they shouldn't need it and actually part of our job is to explain that absolutely you know, this is the norm. We were never expected to know, even if both mom and partner are pulling their weight 100%, there is still not enough hours in the day to get through it, you know? So there's still gaps there in in what they can do, what they could do, what they need to do, what needs to get done, et cetera. You know, having extra support is massive and there is nothing to, you know, to apologize about that. It actually should be the norm. But unfortunately, it isn't. And, you know, we have this Instagram or Facebook reality. I do think social media can be great for parents reaching out and saying, oh, my God, this is so hard. You know, we also see images of people bouncing back, as they call it. And I'm putting that in inverted commas. Um, And a couple of weeks later, they're up in makeup and they're flying around the place. And as I say to the mom on the phone who hardly can get out of bed, you know, that that may have taken that mum all day to do. And that one picture is that yeah. one slot of time where, you know, um, you know, it looks like everything is going well, but that's not necessarily the norm. Now, you know, some parent, new parents do, you know, they fly through it. A lot depends on the baby and also how the birth went and how recovery is going. But for the majority, with this new tiny, tiny little baby, um, it's it's a 24 hour job nonstop. And that is so intense. And most most of us, before we have a baby, have no idea what that is like. Again, going back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, we grew up around families and babies. So we had we saw our moms probably would have seen their moms parent and, and have babies and feed and whatever. Whereas like, you know, most of us today don't have that. We may have one sibling to, yeah. you know, we don't maybe not have a lot. And so we don't have that memory. We don't have babies around us. Um, I speak for myself when I can say, I don't think I'd ever held a newborn baby until I had my own child. Um, I didn't have a clue. I had this rose colored image of it being like, you know, Rachel and friends when she had the baby. And you don't really see the baby very much. And she goes back to going out for coffee and doing all of that. So I was like, that was my image. And I had thought, you know, I think I might do my master's when I'm on my maternity leave because I want to fill the days. And needless to say, it's 14 years (laughs) later and I have not written that master's yet. (laughs) Do you find more people want to get involved in doula care? As as become doulas, is it? Or or book the services? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, maybe that's a two-part question. Like, so do you find there's more interest in people becoming doulas? Oh, God, absolutely. Yes, yes. I mean, it's amazing how it has changed. Even the even people knowing what a doula is is amazing because when I started out, so I trained originally as a doula in two thousand and six, and there was very few doulas in Ireland. Very few people knew what a doula was. Every time I explained 
somebody what I would do um, and I would explain. Um, and I, to, just to, to, I suppose, um, note the changes, I went to my opticians last year and there was a young fella in there. He was working, it was the summer and he was doing a bit of summer work, I think. And uh, we just got talking about having a business, etc. And he asked me what I did. And I said, oh, I run a doula agency. And I went to launch into my spiel about what a doula does. And he's like, oh yeah, doulas, I've heard about them. Right. Now, this was a 23-year-old oh. guy. So I kind of felt, oh. wow, we're definitely, definitely getting more mainstream if, you know, if you have young men knowing what a doula is. And I think that's brilliant. So because yeah. of that, um, yes, we do get a lot more inquiries. We've just ran our, where we're in the middle of running our postpartum doula training and we were fully booked for it. Um, and that was even, despite having to move it online, because obviously with COVID, we couldn't have a big group running, doing a training. And so we decided to take it online and um, we did think that would impact on it. And actually it didn't at all. In fact, we got more inquiries. So we now have a waiting list for our next training. Yeah, so it's so we get a lot of people who've had their own children. They either had yeah. loads of support or didn't and realize how important the support is. We also get a lot of midwives interested in training as well. Um, for them, a lot of the time they'll say it's because they became midwives because they were wanting to be with women and supporting women. And a lot of the times because of the nature of the job, you know, they're, they're clinically responsible for keeping that mom and baby safe. Mm-hmm. They're also super really busy mm-hmm. um, and trying to juggle everything and the mm-hmm. paperwork and everything. They, they, they don't always get the time that they would like for the emotional support. Um, and so they they want to be wow. able to offer that um, in a in a less busy yeah. setting, I suppose, in a more one to one calmer setting. I think that's great as well. So we have a really mixed um, bunch of people. Uh, some people are maybe working in a job that doesn't provide the fulfillment that they'd like, and they feel that the doula role would be a lot more fulfilling, which it is. I'm a regular lady, <laughs> and I have decided I want to become a doula. What's the process? So you can touch base with us and see when our next training is um, and if the dates suit. And then you would uh, book on. So um, every every organization would have different criteria. As part of ours, one of the first things we do is we would um, ask you to do a debrief of your birth and postpartum experience and send that in to us. So do you have to have had a baby? No, absolutely not. No, actually, okay. thank you for clarifying that. No. So if you haven't had a baby and we have lots of you know people on the course that haven't had children themselves we would maybe ask you to talk about your own parent you know get you to talk to maybe your parent or your aunt or your sister and talk to them about their experience and what they felt Mm. you know helped them what they felt maybe didn't help and what they could have felt would have really helped them to do better you know to feel better and kind of and to analyze that a little bit to see how that might influence your practice as a doula Um, yeah, yeah so that's it's just partly because Sometimes, you know, we may be, so we will sometimes have, have people who the part of their passion is they want to uh, make sure that nobody goes through what they went through. Right. For example. And while that is really totally, absolutely normal to want, um, our job as a doula is to encourage and support. It's not to take over. And, and we have to understand that the people, the parents that we're working for, it's their journey. Um, our job, you know, it's not our job to save them from anything. It's our job to support them mm-hmm. where they're at. So we want people to be aware if they have anything like that or if they feel in any way that way to, to you know, just to be aware and work on it or if there's anything that might trigger yeah. them. So, for example, if, for example, you're a doula that had really wanted to breastfeed and couldn't and it didn't work out, how, how does that impact on you and how will that impact on you as a doula supporting parents? So that's partly why we, we, we suggest people do that and then you sit in and you do our training um that is in person it's like in the postpartum it's a three-day training um the birth will be two days um but obviously online we felt that you know, that would be too long like a long day 10 to or sorry, nine to five on zoom would have been just too much um zoom fatigue is definitely a thing so <laughs> what we do instead is we've broken it up over five days and we're doing 10 until okay. three and actually we were very I, I will admit Alex we were very nervous about doing it online because we did yeah. part of the doing the training is that interaction with other people and learning from each other yeah. because the doula is a non-medical support so we're we're not we're not 
um, using clinical skills. We're using, you know, we're offering emotional support. We're offering practical support to families and informational support. So that a lot of us have what we need to be doing is already within us. The course is really just teasing that out and letting us see what's, you know, what we need and how we can use it. And so interaction with others is so important as it. So we were really worried about that, but we, we did lots of group activities, lots of interaction, lots of breakout rooms that you can do on Zoom. And, and so far, the, mm-hmm. the feedback has been incredible. We're, we're really blown away, actually. Brilliant. Yeah, because, you know, people are like, wow, this is the first time I've ever had such an interactive experience on Zoom. So I think we're doing a really good job. I'm really, really happy oh. with how it's going so far. How many courses can you do? Well, or how many? How... You, or is there one that you particularly start with and then you kind of move on or... So, yeah. So, I mean, the two main strands really are birth doula and postpartum doula. So they'd be the two main strands. And and yet yeah, you would do those. So some people are drawn to just birth. Some people are drawn to postpartum yeah. and some people like the idea of yeah. doing both. Um, so yeah. some people will start doing the postpartum and then take on the birth or we have a couple of doulas at this training who are who are either doing the birth or have done the birth who are now um, deciding to. Uh, become a postpartum doula as well some people on that training may not offer postpartum support but they want to like as a birth doula you will do a postpartum visit and you will check in afterwards so they just want to expand that knowledge likewise as a as a postpartum doula you may never do birth but it's it can be helpful to do the birth because you will be dealing with people who have just given birth and um what's involved in all of that and what might come up can be really useful I think for people to know so there once you've done the training so for example once people finish the training with us they can then go out and offer their services because as I said it you know it's non-medical we offer a certification process and and I do think it's really useful to do that because you you have to do extra work for the so pediatric first aid course for example we want to see a certificate in that Mm -hmm. um there's more reflection so we ask them to reflect on um three clients that they have worked with at the moment we have a reading list we're going to expand that as well to podcasts as well and eventually have it that people can submit audio recordings for those people that may have issues with literacy um for example but but would still make a great doula so so there's a series of steps that they would do which will probably take them a couple of months to finish um, and submit that to us like I said that isn't a requirement but I do think it really does help your practice and then like you're never really done training just ask my husband because um you know uh I'm often heading off to workshops here there and everywhere around the country there's because you know what most people that do this training they're really passionate they want to learn more and there's just so much to learn so you can like some people will specialize for example in bereavement doula working with families with loss fertility doula support so working with families who are trying to conceive that are you know going through that journey maybe on their own um then there's also um you know um who wear who are baby wearing consultants as well and you can train in courses around that breastfeeding support is really important as is infant feeding um there's just Mm -hmm. so much to learn so as part of the agency and as part of the certification doulas would be expected to you know have a certain amount of continuous training every year that they send into us now some doula organizations don't choose to 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 ask their doulas to do that but I think it's really important because I know myself right if I didn't have that even though I'm really passionate and I love the doula trainings I I, I'm so busy that I might just put it on the long finger and go oh yeah I'll do it again and then two years have passed and things change so quickly in this world that we do need to be on top of evidence-based information we do need to be um, growing and expanding our skills so I personally think that's really important and we do include it as well in our um, organization. Um, Do you get any men who want to train? We've had one inquiry over the last few years. There would be more in 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 the states, as far as I know, um, men. So I don't think in Ireland yet we have any trained doulas, male doulas. But um, yes, please contact us if you're interested. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about some of the typical reasons why people might inquire about doula support. So, say if I'm a pregnant woman, or you know, 
I'm a postpartum woman or... Yeah, there's so many reasons and it's so varied. It's one of the things I love about the jobs is all the different people I get to talk to as part of my job and the different types of families. Um, So I suppose with birth support, we have, like we'd have first time parents getting in touch because they feel they want extra support along the way. Sometimes they're not from this country originally, so they're not sure of the systems and they want somebody to help them as they go through the maternity system. Um, it's Sometimes it's partners contacting us saying that they really want to be able to support the mum but they feel they need extra support that they don't know what they're doing and a doula would be really a good fit for that mostly now it is the man's contacting us so and and just feeling that sometimes they think that you know the the maternity system can be so busy and they see so many different people that they'd like that continuity of care that they get with the doula and the support that comes with that um and 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 what I've noticed since I've become a doula um like I said I trained in 2006 there's when I trained originally, it was a lot more second timers coming for, you know, to, to inquire about doula support. Um, and often they would come because they maybe would th- thought that they could have a better experience the next time around. They'd like to kind of have a more positive experience. Um, they had birth trauma sometimes um, or sometimes they didn't feel supported. The you know we've had clients contact us because they had a bereavement so they lost the baby on the first or second pregnancy and they really feel they need extra support this time round so um and we still get a lot of people inquiring second time round but what I have noticed is the first timers now are more likely to inquire which they weren't years ago and I think that's just because doulas have become more mainstream more people know about them there was rumors um the year before last that Meghan Markin was having a doula and that was huge like there was so much media coverage around doulas um and so people really began to understand them and then Amy Schumer in the states used a doula as well and they would have big followings and people here would mm-hmm. would be aware of them so I think that made a lot more people aware of doula support and contacting us then mm-hmm. and then with the postpartum support there's just so many variations because um you know people sometimes contact us before baby arrives like when we started doula care originally, often it was people having had the baby and then finding out about us when they were hitting a wall and finding things really hard. But word of mouth has made a huge difference over the last few years. So we'd often get now people kind of going, right, you know, I'm 24 weeks pregnant. I really feel I need extra support after the birth. You know, when I bring this baby home, I haven't a clue about babies. I don't have family near me or I have older parents or I do have parents, but they're working or I don't want to be asking them too much to help you know I want to be able to give them a little bit of a break or again they may not be from Ireland originally so there's no family around you know so there's all of that they that, that's why they may want doula support in place and and obviously we do still get people contacting us that have already had their baby and they're usually phoning because mm. they're struggling you know it's like day five and they haven't had any sleep and the baby is is crying and the feeding isn't going great and can we have somebody in to help us please and part of what we do is just help normalize that and reassure and and yeah, build yeah. confidence and of course yeah. we do have um which is always lovely we have clients mm-hmm. booking in with us who've already you know have used our services before and they're going right I'm on two number two now I'd like the support again so yeah they know what they want they do they're really clear yes and so do a lot of the second and third timers do as well so we'd often get people like they they want an extra pair of hands and they also want to be it to be different from the last time in that they didn't feel they had a lot of support and they found it really hard and uh, maybe they ended up having postpartum um depression or you know other mental health issues that they struggled with and they just want somebody to mind them this time and we also which is really nice actually often get calls from family and friends wanting to book in support for a family member so yeah that's really nice like grannies might get in touch or um I had we had a sister-in-law on there recently looking for vouchers um for you know um the family member to because she she wasn't near and did want to be able to offer the support so that's really nice as well and it's always lovely when that happens you know so what can people expect them so if they pick up the phone to you guys and they say, I am postpartum a week, I haven't slept, I'm in a hoop and we need some help. What's the, the initial step? We try to make it as easy as possible. The last thing we want to do is add stress to a to a parent and you have enough to be doing without printing out forms mm. and signing them and all of that you know so they sometimes will email first and then Gillian will pop back and just see what exactly they need and then we'll arrange to have a chat usually with them. So I'll give them a ring, just um, see how they're doing 
a lot of that is reassurance. Like often I'll have mom saying, I just feel I'm doing such a bad job. And I, and, and, you know, and I'm, I'm like, look, you're, you're concerned about your baby. You're worried mm-hmm. about your baby. You're doing a great job and just reassuring them um, and offering that support and then finding out, well, what, what, what do you think you need? So for some parents, it might be like, if I just had somebody in one morning a week, I would be flying, you know, other people, other people might think might be looking for like, you know, five days a week, uh, Monday to Friday or okay. nights. We do night support as well. So for how mom on recently was like, this is my third baby. The baby is not sleeping at all. I'm exhausted. We aren't from this country. They had just flown in before COVID. Um, we don't know anybody here. We're wrecked. And they want, you know, for them, it was night support. Now, obviously, we try our best to get somebody out to people as soon as we can. But obviously, with COVID, that is a little more of a challenge because we have health and safety protocols in place. And um, we can't just zip from house to house anymore like we used to. Um, so we do our best, but we, the more notice we can get, the better for us. So that's why it's always great if clients pre-book because the hours are then guaranteed you know, um, they'd often like, so clients often, if they're pre-booking, for example, they'd say, but sure, I don't know when the baby's coming. And, and of course we don't know when the baby's coming, but we, we, we so we do a kind of a five week window, really. The doula kind of goes on call, you know, because uh, that baby could arrive anywhere between 37 and 42 weeks. So we're not going to assume anything, but we know that doula knows, okay, this client wants three morning shifts yeah. sometime in the next few weeks. Um, and, and so then knows, well, I, I, you know, I can probably take one more client on, but I can't take on any more of that because then I'll be fully booked, you know. Then what happens is then, as I said, I've had a chat and seeing what they're really needing and looking for. And we have a team of doulas, like I said, in some areas now we may not have more than one doula, but in save mm-hmm. in Dublin, we have quite a few doulas. So I'm I'm kind of then thinking, right, right so who yeah. might be yeah. a good fit for this client? Um, you know, this client mm-hmm. is saying they need emotional support, they're very teary, they're struggling. Sometimes we have um moms that whose whose own mom has passed away and it's bringing up a lot of yeah. feelings having this new baby um so you know so i'm i'm okay. thinking who might work then with that you know and on and all our doulas are amazing but um you know some it's personality and it's emotive like yes. you say so yes and, and and it's one of the favorite parts of my job because i feel like a, a really you know nice matchmaker and Aww. Yeah. And, you know, I'd say 96% of the time we get it right and it, and it works out really well. And it's just that that's lovely to hear back, you know, from clients with emails. And I was going, I just want to let you know the stoola was just so incredible. The support was amazing. And, you know, I just thank you so much for helping me through this period of time. And so who's the priority in that situation? So you've got a mom, you probably have a partner mm-hmm. in, in more in most cases, not all. And then you've got a baby and maybe you have some other kids as well. So a doula comes into that situation. Who's who's calling the shots there? And- it's so dependent on each family. And I think that's one of the huge benefits of doula support is it's not a one you know size fits all. And I say this to clients when they ring, you know, they're saying like, well, what's involved in a postpartum shift? And I say, well, it, it really depends on shift to shift because we could come in on a Monday. Right. And on that particular day, mum has not slept all night. She's wrecked. Uh, she's t- in tears. She's exhausted. Um, and so our priority at that point is maybe getting mum to have some sleep if possible, getting her to rest or getting her to get into the shower, something for herself that is going to help her manage throughout that day. Um, you know, some I, I've often gone to a house where the mum's like, you know, they have the baby and they're just like take throwing the baby at me and they go, please take the baby for a minute, you know, because they're all yeah. touched out, yeah. you know. So in yeah. at, at that point, the priority is what can we do for mom in, in this? It, you know, what what does she need? Other times we mm. might go in, you know, we might go in then on a Wednesday and she's flying it, you know. She feels mm. much more positive. She got loads lots of sleep. Um, but like what? So what can we do? Maybe we could put on a load of laundry. Um, yeah. or maybe we could batch cook some food. Has she eaten that morning? That's one of the first things yeah. I'd ask for both parents have you eaten because they forget to eat um mm-hmm. and it's really hard to eat with one hand sometimes so yeah. um so what we're doing is making snacks and batch cooking maybe that a, a lot of snacks that they can eat with one hand when we're not there or a batch cooking yeah. food for the freezer so they don't have to worry for the next week or two because if they can eat well if they can look after their nutrition they will feel better 
And of course, yes. when you're tired and exhausted, you really don't want to cook a dinner and look at, you no, know, look you do that. You tend to go for the sugar stuff, which is grand short term. You know, I think mm. whatever you need to get through, but it, it is also what's going to help uh, this parent, um, you know, what is going to help them emotionally, mentally um, feel better. And and one of the things I do say, and, and, you know, I often say this to moms before when we're chatting, it's like, well, yeah, we can come in and do a general tidy, put a wash on because, you know, I, I find that most people, if they're feeling frazzled, if the house is fra- is a bit of a mess, um, they their head is a bit of a mess. Whereas if we clean up and tidy, they actually feel calmer in themselves. And most yeah, people say, oh, absolutely. That is so true. You know, it's it's a semblance of control, but at least it's it's you're going to feel like you can breathe. So if we can do yeah. that, that takes the pressure off and it allows the mom to just then be with her baby without thinking, I have to yeah. do dinner and I have to do the wash and I have to do all of this. Um, yeah. Sometimes... Yes, it is like, you know, chatting to partners. They may have lots of questions about how to support the mom. So we may be giving them tips as to what they can do to help um, and how to manage and normalizing that postpartum period for the both of them as well. Because Mm. um, there's the evidence shows that um, most marriages suffer a decline in the first year after um, that is really, really normal. And, but again, it's something we don't talk about. And so they're thinking, oh my goodness, our marriage is falling apart here. What can yeah. we do? You know, and it's, and nobody talks mm. about it. And again, I remember this myself. I was so sleep deprived. Um, I would look at my husband snoring, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and just want to, mur- you know, I just felt so angry and <laughs> we really struggled a lot in the first year. We argued so much. And I remember thinking, are we going to get through this? And of course we did. Yeah. 14 years later, we're still here. But you don't yeah. know that at the time and people do no. not talk about it. So no, I don't. You know, and and so we normalize that we if they want to, it's always based led by them. So we're not Mm. there to push our agenda or our information. It's we always check in. How are you doing? If they bring up Mm. the relationship and that they're struggling, would would you? You know, I can talk a little bit about that if you'd like me to. It's it's very common Mm. for this to happen postpartum. What can we do to help this a bit? Um, and you know. I suppose, um, start a conversation with the parents together um, to see what, how they can, you know, what changes they can make. Could they spend like five minutes together in the evening, phones down, just talking to each other? Um, could the partner put the baby in a sling and bring baby out for a walk to give the mom a little bit of a break? Um, could they get a cleaner in? Do they have the resources to get somebody in to clean the house once a week? Because I think housework is probably one of the biggest trigger points with new families because it does fall apart. Sometimes people think the other isn't doing what they should be doing. So if you can have somebody in, then the focus can be on the baby then you know, and the parents. Yeah, if there's any dads listening out there, can they get some reassurance from you about having a doula in your house? You know, some people might feel a bit intimidated about bringing somebody else in to their their home and, and partners for that matter as well you know yeah oh absolutely any anybody in that kind of dynamic oh look even grandparents can sometimes get a bit affront you know affronted that a doula is coming in well what about me you know where am I in this so our job is never to take over and um, they are the experts of their baby and I always say this and they like usually go no we don't feel like it but they are and our job when we're there is to point out like oh look at that you know you, you you're look at the way you're yeah. holding your baby there they're so settled isn't that amazing you're doing such a great job this kind of thing so reassuring and supporting we're never there to take over we're never there to interfere um so sometimes for example you know um we may have some there can be the odd time in a family where the mum feels under pressure from a maybe another family member not necessarily a partner usually it's maybe a granny or a mother-in-law to stop breastfeeding and um Mm. you know they may say oh god could you talk to them that isn't our role at all so part what we do there is sit down with the mom and say well how do you feel about this um you know like if they're saying to me, like, I'm not sure what to do. Is this something you want to do? Um, this kind of thing. So we'd, we'd help them tease out how they're feeling themselves and how they can manage the situation, brainstorming with them and giving them tips and tricks that might help them um, to, to manage. So it's not our job to take over. It's not our job to be given out about the other person. Oh God, that's terribly poor thing. That That isn't us. We're professional. So, and we're non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. We're there yeah. to enhance relationships, not to hinder them. Our job really, Alex, is to work ourselves out of a job as a postpartum doula. 
Okay, yeah, yeah. You're coming in and it, it's like a vulnerable stage and to just guide. Exactly, and then... guide, support, offer information, um, help practically where we can. It's it's such a, like some parents just want a listening ear. I personally remember myself um, yeah. Yeah, after I had my baby, I think it was about a week in and I sat on the couch sobbing to my doula and my midwife um, just saying like, what's happened to my life where's it gone because I felt all I was doing was changing nappies and trying to feed this baby who was struggling with breastfeeding um and it was just so overwhelming and not even having a chance to have a shower so I went from and this is most of our clients I went from you know I I think I might go out for a spot of lunch um and and pop out there really last minute you know or a friend ringing do you want to come out or will we go to the cinema um, you know, like it went from that life to, 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 I remember one day not even being able to put a pair of trousers on. Um, I went and got, I think one leg on. <laughs> that was the most I got. That was the furthest I got, uh, because the baby just, you know, was my first is very unsettled. So, but it is also quite uncommon for babies to be unsettled. It's a whole new world they're trying to adjust to. And, I hadn't a clue. And, yeah. and so that was a huge shock to my system. I was in my 30s. I, you know, I, I, I'd i lived the life that I wanted all my life. And now all of a sudden, I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what, you know, side of me was up. I couldn't even get in and have a proper shower. And and and, and it was so great to, for them to, they just listened. They reassured. They, you know, and I needed that reassurance. So this will get easier. And, and that was really just so lovely to have somebody to listen to me and not dismiss how I was feeling and not try and solve it for me either. Um, just listen and empathize and support and reassure. And and it did help. They those they got that got me through. And I remember them saying, look, it does get easier. And, you know, by six weeks, you know, things would have gotten so much better for you. And, you know, they were right. It was still tough, but it was it was easier. Um, and I think parenting, you yeah. know, no matter how many years it goes on, there's still challenges and uh you you know you probably know this yeah. yourself you, you feel like you've gotten the hand, hang of it and then it all changes <laughs> you're in a new phase and sometimes you're back in that phase that you were in a few months ago again you're like what what's going on here anyway part of what we do is we know about normal newborn behavior um and so we can again reassure yeah. this is really normal and um, it won't last forever and i think once a parent knows that then it's a bit easier. It's like, okay, I can, I, so what do I need to do? How do I support my child at this point? What do I need to do? So um, that's partly what we do. And I love that. Yeah. I, I love, you know, knowing that it's made a difference and helped in some way. I know we have touched on this over the course of the conversation, but what is it really about pre and postnatal care that interests you and motivates you? Oh, it's just knowing that I'm part of making a difference. In, and I know that sounds really trite, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> but it is true. Like there is nothing like that a feeling of going into a family. Um, and as I said, sometimes I might come in and I, I, I might say, like, would you like me to take the baby? And would you like to go up and have a shower? And the mom is like, oh my God, this would yeah. be amazing. And they'll go up and they'll have a shower and they'll use conditioner. They'll get the chance to even put the conditioner in. <laughs> and sure, yes. they come out of the shower and they look completely different, you know. And yeah. if I can, yeah. I've made them a snack. And I'm like, you sit down there now and get, you know, and, and have some food and take a little bit of time yourself. Do you have a book you could read? You know, just doing mm -hmm. that. And 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 by the time I leave, they're like, oh my goodness. It's just that is I feel like being able to help out practically in that way. Or just yeah. sometimes being able to listen to a mom. Um sometimes if a mom has had a very difficult birth experience there's no one to hear them and sometimes what they'll want to do is just talk to us about that and and if in general when they try to talk to other people they're like dismissed oh but sure you have a healthy baby whereas that's not something we yeah. would ever do we would absolutely empathize mm. um offer support there's there's you know if they feel they need help with this there are things that they can do but also you know empath empathize you also have you know the knowledge maybe not so much the expertise but you would have a knowledge base to be able to direct people who are struggling with certain things like birth trauma or breastfeeding or you know maybe they're physically feeling still not great after birth you know you would have that knowledge base to know okay well actually maybe you should go to your GP and you know or you know have you thought about touching base with a lactation consultant or 
maybe there's somebody we can put you in touch with to talk about your experience on a like a psychotherapist or something like that so Oh, absolutely. Yes. Part of what we do is do is build up referral networks and build up resources so that we know um, if parents need that support. And I think you should. We'd never say that. You know, um, it's <laughs> yeah. very much like how how do, yeah. do you feel? How are you feeling in yourself? And um, how do you feel about maybe talking to somebody or going to your GP to get this checked um, or talking to a lactation consultant? Yes, we would often refer on to lactation consultants because we can offer breastfeeding support um, like I'm trained with quid you as a breastfeeding counsellor but again it's so important as a breastfeeding counsellor and doula to know our scope of practice so when our role ends and for more specialised breastfeeding support we would refer on to lactation consultants again with postpartum mental health that would not be in our scope the normal baby blues absolutely we can sit and we can listen and reassure and that can be such a huge help but if we're if if a mom has experiencing ptsd for example from birth trauma or feels like possibly this is postpartum depression then that is out of our scope we can come in and help we have gone in to help in families that um the mom has postpartum depression by being an extra pair of hands by being company in the house but we can't do that clinical support that they need or the counseling that's needed that that would be then we'd refer on um often to you know organizations like nurture health or people like that 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 are offering that specialized service for people so yeah so i suppose that's what i love about the job is how all round it is and how no two clients no two shifts no two supports are ever the same um and yeah. also seeing the parents build in confidence and and parent so lovingly and caringly and of course I'd be you know really remiss not to say who I mean the the baby I get to see babies and that is such a huge (laughs) part of the job and what's really funny Alex if you'd asked me this now like 16 years ago right before I had my first I had no interest in babies I was more of a dog person and um yeah and I (laughs) yeah and and then I had my baby and my mother still says you know is that she the, the turnaround <laughs> surely there is something that has driven and motivated you to keep on working in this and it is a passion and it is like you know uh, you can see that there is a need there for it but is there anything um you know particular about the fourth trimester that you want to say or talk about oh. in society or for society in Ireland well yeah firstly moment? I think most people don't know about the fourth trimester um like it's such a new concept and again we have this idea of people bouncing back or coming or they're getting their lives back um there isn't that allowance for this huge transition and the fourth trimester is not just for the babies it's also for the parents because they're adjusting to their life outside you know as new parents getting to know this baby their baby is getting to know them and i'd often say to parents sure you know who are struggling and can't believe their baby does not want to be put down so they ring thinking there's something wrong um and you know we normalize that and say it's very common for babies explaining about how in in the womb the baby was carried was near you all the time it was dark it was quiet Mm -hmm. they didn't have to ask for food you know explaining all those bits that are very normal with that fourth trimester and you know you could see a light bulb going on with parents. They hadn't thought about this before. Um, they hadn't thought of this small baby as having to learn about the world and having to learn, um, develop their own personality and adjust to life outside the womb. But equally, the parents hadn't thought about themselves giving themselves the time and space to adjust as well. Um, yes. you know, they're thinking there's something wrong, they're worried they're doing something mm-hmm. wrong. Um, you know, like so and so down the road, her baby slept all night. Like we have, I mean, I, I I the biggest thing for me, right, was that Meghan Markle interview that she did um, I think soon after the baby was born. Um, and the reporter, now, you know, it's every it's he's not the only person to do this, but you know, asked, was he a good baby? And and this is a, like a two or three week old baby. Sure, they don't even know they exist. <laughs> so 
And what parent isn't going to say, of course they're a good baby? <laughs> but nobody even knows what that means, Exactly, right? yeah, because the baby isn't trying to be good or bad. They are just trying to get their needs <laughs> met. And as I said, you know, because again, yeah. we'll have parents saying, oh, you know, I just feel if I keep p- picking the baby up, I'll be spoiling them or making a rod for their own back. Oh, you dear. hear all of this, you know? I know. And yeah, yeah. we're so vulnerable at that time. And, you know, there's so much information coming in at us and we don't know who to believe and who to talk to. And you are like, I mean, most parents that we would talk to, they're worried that they're going to ruin their baby and they, they want their baby to be well and safe and they don't want this at all. And again, explaining to them, look, that baby doesn't even know they exist at the moment they are not trying to manipulate you or spoil you when they cry they are just trying to get their needs met um and you know what you're doing by picking them up uh, is is meeting those needs is letting them know i'm here for you and and that's okay yeah. they are not going to want that forever i can tell you that i, I can definitely tell you that because i have a 14 year old um so, you know, but but it is that scary time. And I suppose, so I think what, yes, we need to have way more information about the fourth trimester, what it involves, talking to parents beforehand, how they can set themselves up before the baby arrives. Um, so I said earlier that um, the research shows that marriages, you know, struggle in that first year. But what they've also shown is that one or two sessions of counselling or support from a professional can massively help that that um, that that impact. So you know, ha- having some knowing that, for example, if we can batch cook food and have it in the freezer, if we can book in a cleaner and, and a doula, or see, like sometimes people yeah. will say, like, what support do I need? And I'll say to them, well, what support do you have already? Um, so where do you see your support coming from? Do you have a parent that w- is w- is going to be able to drop in or a family member um, or a mother-in-law or father-in-law that can drop in and take the pressure off? If yes, well, then you may need a lot less doula support. If no, you may need a lot more um, or the other the other supports that you need. Um, find your groups before the baby arrives. If you're hoping to breastfeed, go and take a breastfeeding class. Uh, go and take a preparing for baby class with your partner. No point doing it on your own. You, your brain after the baby arrives is is full of so many changes. There are hormones that are coming through there. That's all, all those hormones are all happening in the brain. There's too much to take in. So having it before the baby arrives and, and having a partner do that with you means they're more likely to remember because you mightn't because there's so much to think of. Um, so we yeah. can do so much to prepare and we don't do enough. Um, and look, I'm guilty of it myself. I, I, before I had children, I went and I've, I've since apologized, but I have gone, I went to visit friends and sat down on the couch while they made me a cup of tea with the new baby, you know? Um, oh yeah. Yeah. To my shame. I don't do that anymore, obviously, but I did. And I, you know, I said, my goodness, I was so useless to you and I do think that if we can if we could get more information out about the support parents need in that fourth trimester what both of them need they need lots of in bed and skin to skin with baby and recognition of that Uh, recognition Mm -hmm. that for the baby this is new they need time to adjust for the parents this is new they need time to adjust um, and just minding them as much as we possibly can, giving them as much support. Yeah. When we call in, we don't we don't let them make us a cup of tea. We make them a cup of tea. We maybe load yeah. up a dishwasher yeah. or we bring a, a meal with, oh, I just brought some soup for you. Um, yeah. So that they yeah. know, oh, this is fantastic. And we don't stay long if, if needed, um, you know. What you've just gone through there was a bucket load of really quick tips and advice. But is there any particular places that you typically direct people to? like organizations or websites um yes absolutely I would recommend so books wise I think there's so many good books actually out there but the fourth trimester companion is a brilliant book it's all about the postpartum it can help parents see what they might need to do if they need to put a plan in place what they can do beforehand so I think it's a great book to read before baby arrives 
Um, I also love the book What Mothers Do and and the byline to that is especially when it looks like nothing because I think a a lot of parents (laughs) struggle with that I I struggled with that I'm a list person I like making lists I like ticking them off and when this baby came I wasn't (laughs) ticking off anything (laughs) Um, it looked like a list but what I was doing was growing and feeding a baby and that is hugely Mm -hmm. important in those first few weeks if people are hoping to breastfeed I think the positive breastfeeding book is a really easy easy book to read, easy to digest. And um, Professor Amy Brown, who wrote it, she's brilliant, I think, really great writer. Um, it's not very academic. Some books would be, and there's not loads of information in it. It's There's just enough. Is it just handy to have in front of you as you're breastfeeding? Because I found, I had this really old book that somebody gave me, but I had it on the couch for like the first two months. Uh, but it was, it's actually quite old, but it had a few just tips like what to do if this is happening to you and I found it really useful to have it in the moment just there on the table you know those initial things that come up when you're just learning and you're starting or you're like oh no I'm after pumping all the milk out of my boob what do you do yes I know yeah yeah even though you haven't because your milk you're you're never having empty breast but that's the thing yeah you you don't know that um you know and you you, yeah you do think oh my goodness I have no milk left and again it's we 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 would normalize that yeah so I think that positive breastfeeding book could be really handy for that there's also a book called breastfeeding made simple I think it's called but Nancy Moorbacker and that's great I think as well um to have as a reference book it's not too big you don't want lots and lots of information because you'd be overloaded and I also would recommend that if you're thinking of breastfeeding that you find your supports beforehand so because there's loads there is lots of support it's just not necessarily you don't know necessarily know where it is um so yeah I think they're great books um and then podcasts there's lots of actually great podcasts I I uh, there's another one called for all mankind that I really like um mm-hmm. Jen from doula care was on that one as well um there's the um motherboard and mum tribe Ireland or another two Irish based podcasts which I like and then there's a the newborn mothers podcast they're all really nice ones to listen to I think um and then website wise, we have um, on our website, Dula Care, we have great blogs about the fourth trimester, about pumping, about feeding. Um, so I think that, you know, definitely check us out. What's the website again? Um, doulacare.ie. So and the blog, you can do a search. There's a search box. So if you have like, for example, um, pumping question or expressing, you can put in and, and it'll come up any articles that we have written on that. Um, and one other resource that I like to share actually is, um, I don't know whether you've come across the Gentle Birth app. So um, it's actually a great resource, I think, for afterwards because so what can happen, and you've probably experienced this yourself, Alex, is you're, you're going, going, going all day, right? It's 24-7 with this new baby. And then say your partner comes in and they say, well, I'll take the baby and maybe I'll bring the baby out for a yeah. walk. And, and you go upstairs and you lie down in bed and you're like, right, I have to rest now. I only have two hours. Yeah. And and of course you can't yeah. because you're wired and you haven't yeah, stopped. you start doing the super value shopping. Exactly. So the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or you think, yeah, what else do I need to do? Because you have to fit so much in. So what can be really really helpful is switch there's tracks for after the baby arrives so new parent meditations new mother meditations and um, positive bottle feeding positive breastfeeding whatever it is and and so it's a way to unwind and let your body relax because that'll get you through yeah. then if you have to maybe if you're up during the night so there's great tra- and there's, there's tracks for going back to work as well because that can be quite emotional and um, so I do recommend that actually as a great resource for after the baby as well as for pregnancy because it's so easy to use yeah. the tracks are on there you just stick them on and bam you're listening to it so I find it brilliant so put all your notes out of your head oh. and I'm going to say a word <laughs> really crap at this and you just say whatever comes to your your mind the word that I have for you is self-care self-care okay support nurture um minding minding the parents um taking time for yourself uh putting yourself first as a priority and I think you know when it comes to self-care in this phase you almost need to tell women and partners and anybody else who's involved who's in that home where a new baby has come in like say to them this is really important yes for you as well you know absolutely because we tend you know it's that that 
famous analogy in that you have to put on your own oxygen mask first. I've learned so much from this, just just even this hour and a little bit that we've had to chat today. So thank you so much, Mary, for your time. Oh, I love talking about this. So it's absolutely, <laughs> it's been so enjoyable for me. I Anyone who rings clients when they ring, they're like, I'm sorry for taking up your time. And I'm like, are you joking? I love it. <laughs> can you remind us again where people can find you exactly? Um, yes. Yeah, so we're doulacare.ie. That's our website. Um, and in email is info info at doulacare.ie um, we're also on Facebook so we have a Facebook page doulacare Ireland Instagram is doulacare Ireland as well and then our Twitter we couldn't fit doulacare Ireland on it so we're doulacare era <laughs> e-i-r-e oh I love yeah, it yeah. go on Ireland <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.